So we missed a uh, we missed recording one of the sermons uh, that has been requested um, either by podcast or by CD. So I'm going to go ahead and and re-preach it as best I can, just sitting at my desk. Uh, it comes out of Matthew chapter four, and it's in that famous section of scripture where Jesus says, "Come, and I will make you fishers of men." We start in Matthew chapter four, verses eighteen through twenty-two. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So I, uh, I, I got these two magazines, these two fishing magazines, and they're completely filled with all sorts of gear and stories and methods and more stuff about fishing than you could possibly imagine, which is uh, bizarre because I, I don't like fishing, but I thought if I was going to preach a sermon... On fishing, I need to learn some more about fishing so that I could come up with some really cool analogies uh, and wow everybody. And then they'd be like, you're the coolest pastor we've ever seen. Um, but that didn't work. So I was kind of hoping it would work on this one, but maybe not. Anyway, uh, if I say something um, funny during this time, just imagine the entire congregation erupting in laughter because that's most likely what happened. And so then you can kind of get a sense for how it went down when I first preached it. But I want to give us some framework uh, about this whole idea about being fishers with men. And the first thing is, is that it starts and ends with Jesus. He says, come follow me. It's not a plan or a structure or a denomination or uh, any other way that we typically uh, lead our spiritual life. Jesus is saying to them, come and follow me. It's a progression. First you come, you follow him, and the progression is, and I will make you fishers of men. It first starts with following him. It's not that we go to church and we uh, read our Bible and uh, those are all great things. It's when we're following Jesus, when we're actually following uh, after the things of, of his heart, And what he would command us to do, that's when we are transformed into these fishers of men. And that's the other part of this. It starts and ends with Jesus, but it's not a trial. He doesn't say, uh, come and follow me and I'm going to make you fish for men. Doesn't evangelism sometimes feel like that? You feel so guilty if you don't tell people about Jesus. You know, you start thinking right when you meet somebody, oh, how am I going to work this in? How am I going to get this going? And it, it doesn't have to be like that. Jesus doesn't say, follow me and I'm going to make you fish for men when, when you're totally uncomfortable. Now, sometimes it might be uncomfortable, but for the most part, it becomes our identity. I will make you, I will transform you into fishers of men. That's going to be uh, your new identity. It's not, I'm going to make you cram four spiritual laws down someone's throat. He doesn't say that. He says, I will make you, I will transform you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says it this way, way. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
It's not being forced. It's I'm going to transform you. I'm going to uh, make you uh, transform into my likeness over and over and over so you become more and more and more passionate about becoming a fisher of men. That's who you will be. Um, 53 times in the New Testament, the term evangelize is used. And it's in our Great Commission as well. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. I mean, we, we, we are told to go. We are told to become fishers of men. But Jesus says, I'm going to transform you into that. Not, I'm going to force you to do it. And I think that's a really important thing that it first starts with following Jesus and then he will transform us. We don't come and transform ourselves. So what I want to talk about um, uh, was some things we can uh, see from these fishing magazines I have. Well, you can't see them, of course, because it's uh, being recorded. But um, some th- common themes I saw out of uh, like Deep Sea Fisherman and uh, Fly Fisherman and w- whatever the uh, other magazine was. But the first one was Get the Right Gear. Get the Right Gear. Man, when I look at some of these magazines, it is unbelievable to me uh, how much gear someone can have to catch a fish. I mean, there's fish finders and there's different kinds of food and two million types of lures and uh, all, all this stuff you can buy. Now, I enjoy golfing, and so having all that gear for golfing isn't ridiculous. That actually makes a lot of sense. For fishing, it's ridiculous. For golf, it's actually uh, what is the most responsible thing to do is to get uh, all that gear. But for fishing, it's utterly ridiculous. A, a term I use a lot uh, when I talk to people is don't don't shrink your net. And uh, what I mean by that is sometimes we can act in a way or dress in a way or uh, live a certain lifestyle that allows us to catch very little fish with our testimony because our net is so tiny. And I just want to list a few things and talk about a few things that can shrink our net. That If we're going to get the right gear to, to become fishers of men, if Jesus is going to transform us into fishers of men and we want to have all the right resources that we need in order to to, to have a great harvest, um, the first thing we need is the biggest net we can. And some of the things that shrink our net so that all of a sudden we can't minister to people is, uh, I, I, they all happen to start with P, and I apologize, I, I do that when I'm preaching, but I don't mean to bore you with it. The first is politics. Uh, the, the first is politics. And, and when we... Again, there's nothing wrong with politics, with voting or whatever, but when it becomes our passion so that we we show fear, if we don't have the right person in the office, we're, we're fearful and we've, we've got to get the, all the Congress filled with Democrats or Republicans or wherever we are, we shrink our net because people see that and they say, man, if, if Jesus is transforming you, if, if you're going to be... Um, uh, someone who lives in peace, and you want me to see that Jesus can transform my life, why, why do I want that? I, it just troubles me how much politics has become our religion. The second thing is personality. Sometimes just flat out our personality is annoying, and it shrinks our net because we have to have our own way, or we get bent out of shape if things don't go the way we want, or we... Uh, uh, we always have to voice our opinion on something. We need to look into how we live our life, the kind of personality we have, 
and say, is this shrinking my net? Is it difficult for people to hear what I have to say because I'm, uh, because I'm so, um, uh, I get bent out of shape so much? The third thing that shrinks our net is preparedness. We're not prepared. A lot of times uh, uh, it's difficult for me to um, uh, speak the word of God to somebody because I'm just not prepared at that time. And so our net shrinks because we get questions, we're asked questions and we haven't been in the word and, and uh, we've been so consumed with ourselves that we, we're not uh, prepared to share the gospel. Uh, the, third, the fourth thing is pride. Uh, sometimes we, uh, uh, we're so prideful, we won't talk to a certain person or we'll um, uh, be so consumed with ourselves that our net shrinks down and, uh, and we miss an opportunity. Uh, one of the fifth thing I have down is prejudice. Uh, sometimes we look at different individuals and we make a judgment already, and we say, "Oh, they can't, they won't listen to me anyway." Or we see a tattoo, or we see a skin color, or whatever, and um, and uh, we don't we, we stay away from certain cultures. Uh, that that prejudice shrinks our net, and so we we view um, we can reach less and less people. And then the last is paralysis. We get so fearful about what people are going to think or uh, not wanting to offend anyone um, that the net becomes very small because uh, we don't want to talk to anyone. Well, 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you yet with gentleness and reverence. That is a very big net. That describes a huge net. It says, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. That's the first part. Come, follow me. It's the same type of uh, thing that Peter's saying here. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Come, follow me. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone. It's a huge net to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And uh, Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. We already talked about this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You have to have the right uh, gear for that. And here, here's kind of my, my hook. I, I had a, when I was doing the sermon, I had a little picture of a hook at the end of each point that kind of was the thing that was supposed to get our attention. But here's the hook on this one. The biggest net you can have is unconditional love. That's the biggest net you can have. And so we can talk about all sorts of stuff, but until we're ready to um, really love people unconditionally, uh, then our net shrinks. There was a net that most likely the net that Peter was casting when Jesus saw him was a net that he was casting from the shore. Um, And uh, he wasn't actually in a boat when he was casting his nets. Uh, He was on the shore. And it had little weights around the edges, all around the edges. And so when you threw the, the, the um, net out, uh, the weights would uh, s- spread out real far and then sink down to the, to the ground first, and then the net would gently come over the fish. Well, to me, those, those weights represent the truth of the gospel, that there's little weights all the way around. When you set it out, the, the truth sinks down deep. And, and the net itself, isn't. Uh, it comes down afterwards. And sometimes we get the truth 
like a big rock and we just take it and this is the truth and you better hear it and if you deny it then you it's, it's all on you and we drop this huge uh, rock down on the ground and 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 what I what I like to do is um, you, we never um, uh, mess with the gospel the gospel is the truth but the way we present it doesn't have to be like a giant sledgehammer we get the right gear we look at the uh, type of fish we're fishing for and we we uh, get the right gear the second thing is we fix any holes it says uh, not only um, uh, when Jesus uh, uh, saw the fishermen, Peter, uh, he uh, also saw James and John, and they were mending their nets. They were uh, fixing the holes uh, in the net. And here's the thing for us to understand. We are the net. We are the ones that represent the truth of the gospel. And so when we go with to people and we're talking to people about Jesus, uh, we are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We're the representatives. Matthew five thirteen through 16 talks about this with the light and salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father uh, in heaven. A hole in our net, something that allows the fish to escape, is a big deal. Holes let fish go and they end up turning uh, uh, into into bigger holes. And we, uh, uh, we talked about... Um, a week before this sermon, we were talking about us reflecting the light of of, of Jesus, how we're kind of like the moon, where the, the source of the light is the sun, and we just reflect it. This isn't a new concept or something I came up with, uh, it, probably something you've heard before. But um, And so what happens is we shine the light of Jesus back on the world. Well, sometimes what happens is uh, there's an eclipse, and the world blocks out the light to the moon. And sometimes we get these holes in our net, things that we have in our life where the world has, uh, has gotten in the way and we're not able to effectively share the gospel um, because we have these holes in our net. And we need, the, uh, um, uh, we need to pay attention to them. We need to keep looking at ourselves and saying, is there anything in my life that is... Uh, allowing the gospel to not be as effective as it could be. 1 Thessalonians 3.10 says, As we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. See, you get the idea that you know these people in Thessalonica, uh, they've got some holes in their net. And, and so Paul said, man, I really want to get there so that I can, uh, we can complete what's lacking there so that your net will be strong and that when you share the gospel, uh, it, it'll be with truth and with conviction and with a lifestyle that backs that up. 1 Peter 5, 8-11 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Isn't that interesting? Be alert. You can almost get the idea that when you pull up that net, you're scanning it for, for holes. 
It says, Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him, standing firm in your faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Now listen to this. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you. That word is the same word as mend. That that he will himself mend you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So how do we mend these holes in our net? Well, first of all, we can't do it on our own. If we think we're going to just look at our lives and see where the holes are and mend them ourselves, that's why I love the word picture of Jesus coming to James and John. They were mending their nets. They were working together uh, at this. We can't do it on our own. Galatians 6, 1 through 3 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should again restore him. That's the same word as mend him. Mend his net. Mend him. Restore him gently. But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone is, thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So um, we need each other to mend these nets. We need to look and say, hey, dude, I see a part of your life that that needs to be mended. Why? Because when we're transformed into Christ's image, will be effective fishers of men. And that's what we want. That's what we want his kingdom um, to be uh, restored. Now, what's the hook on this one? Uh, the hook on this one is that some people spend all day mending and no days fishing. I mean, the fact of the matter is you'll never have a perfect net. You're never going to be the perfect person. And so it's important that while, yes, we want to make sure we're mending our nets, we're listening to the word, we're, we're seeing how we need to change, we have other people um, uh, helping us, and we're going to small group, we got to make sure we're still fishing. And it's not just about mending and having the strongest net. If it never gets in the water, uh, it does us very little good to have a strong net. I mean, our strongest net is going to be in heaven. And so... Uh, um, there'll be a time for perfection, but it's not now. And so we need to be uh, used by God, uh, even when we have little holes in our net. Which brings me to my third point. Good fishermen smell like fish. Good fishermen smell like fish. How would Jesus smell? How would Jesus smell? It wasn't that Jesus, uh, he, he, he was accused of being around sinners all the time. He was accused of smelling like a sinner. You know, they were partying and whatever, and Jesus was hanging around them. They were drinking, and there were prostitutes there, and there were tax collectors and sinners, and uh, um, Jesus was um, with them. He was called a friend of sinners, drunkards, of prostitutes. Uh, he smelled like fish. He smelled like the, the people he was trying to minister to. And in the same way, uh, we, we do the same thing. The youth in our church played this game. I forget what it's called. It's called something like fish and eggs, robber style or something like that. I, I don't remember what it's called. But what, what they do is they put a, 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 a pantyhose on their head. Now, you have to follow. I know it's difficult to, to follow with this. But imagine you were going to go rob a liquor store and you wanted to put that pantyhose on your head. Well, that's what they do. They put the pantyhose on their head and they shove an egg that hasn't been cracked, up onto their forehead. Then somebody, if you don't attend our church, uh, 
I know you what you're thinking. You're thinking, I'll never go there. But it's really not that bad. So they stick this egg up there. And then somebody jumps on their back with this dead fish. Okay? And so you've got one guy with a stocking over his head and an egg on his forehead. And another guy jumped on his back with a dead fish. And they're attacking another team who's got the same thing. And the idea is to crack the egg with the dead fish. Well, my daughter played this game with the youth. And when she came home, she reeked like fish. Lisa even found a towel that she wiped her hands on this towel. And, and uh, the towel still smelled like fish. And so um, the whole house smells like fish. Well, that's what happens. When we're around the people of the world, uh, we need to know that, that that's, we don't want to live like a fish. But we want to, um, to smell like them, to be around them. See, we're, we're asking the fish essentially to die. We're asking for this fish to get out of the water, to leave what is comfortable for them and to be like us, to go from fish to human. God said he's going to give us a heart of flesh. That's what happens. We actually have to jump out of the water. When we all accepted Christ, we jumped out of the water that we were living in and it was a risk and we took a breath and we realized, oh man, God has breathed new, uh, new life in us. See, God can't open their eyes to the new world until, until they take that leap of faith. And that's what, it, that's what we, it, it talks about when we become Christians. We become new creations. We go from fish to people. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone in, is in Christ, he's a new creation. He was a fish, and now he's a person. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, what happened is Jesus called us out of the water to say, you're not fish anymore, you're humans. Now go fish. See what I'm saying? That's what it says here. He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He said, I am going to make you a new creation. I will make you fishers of men. You must die, then the new life comes. And that's what we're asking the fish to do. To leave what comes naturally, to jump out of the water by faith, and to realize that, that they will become what? A new creation. That they, they won't live in the water anymore. We get a new identity. Here's the hook on this one. You can smell like fish, but you'll die if you try to live like one. It's great to be around sinners. That's great. You want to smell like fish, but we live, we'll die if we try to jump back into that water again. If we've jumped out of the water and we become human and then we say, oh man, I'm going to hang around my fish buddies and do exactly what they do. And, and uh, once you take that first breath, you're going to be choking. Because God has made you a new creation. We cannot um, uh, uh, live like fish anymore. The, uh, the fifth point I have, or maybe it's not fifth, I don't know. Can't, I didn't number them here on my notes. So, uh, is good fishermen think like fish. It's amazing to me when I read, read some of these articles in this fishing magazine how there's people who write about thinking like a fish. You have to understand this fish when it sees this thing, the light shines off it and it goes in. I mean, I, I don't know how they find out what the fish think like, but 
a good fisherman somehow think like the fish. They know when they're hungry. They know what things make them want to eat. Uh, they know exactly the right meal to whip up for them. First Corinthians nine nineteen through twenty three. It's kind of a long section of scripture, so um, uh, uh, bear bear with me. It says, "Though I am free, I belong to no man, no man. I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible." To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those not having the law, I become like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. Now listen to this. To the weak I became weak. Uh, to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. This I do for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Now you can see the analogy here. To the bass, I become a bass. I think like a bass. I tie my hook like a bass would be interested in it. I use lures that a bass would want to use or if it's a fly for fly fishing or whatever. They got all sorts of different flies for different types of water and different uh, times of the year. I can't just take my four spiritual laws like a big shark hook or whatever and just throw it into the stream thinking I'm going to catch something. It doesn't work that way. We have to think like a fish. Who are the people who are around you? Are they business people? Well, don't change the gospel. The gospel is the gospel. But present it in a way that might be appealing to business people. Are you around people who are all tatted up and they talk different and whatever? Well, present the gospel in a way that does that. I mean, these are the things... Again, when I say you need to do that, I mean I need to do it as well. I'm no different than anybody else. I have to think about this. You know, because I'm a pastor, um, uh, sometimes I can lose sight of what is today's culture, how do they talk, what do they look like? What is the best way to present the Word of God so that I don't sacrifice any of the truth? We never want to do that. But that it's appealing to that particular fish. And so as you, as you think about your life and you think about uh, the people you hang around Maybe it's your family or whatever. What, what are some ways you can present the word so that it doesn't lose any of its truth, but that it's appealing to them? I mean, I know we can make the argument that it's not our job to make it appealing. But again, uh, give a defense to everyone who asks, yet with gentleness and reverence. In other words, understand how are the ways they're going to respond so that they'll strike at that. We want to make it as easy as possible for people to come to Christ. Not, again, say that uh, make it easy in the sense that we change the message. The message never changes. But we change our method, maybe. We don't want to scare the fish away. And, and, uh, and so when you know the type of fish you're around, you know what scares them away, and we don't want to do that. Then number 12 or 11 or seven or whatever number we're on i don't remember use your fish finder use your fish finder they it's incredible how much money you can spend fishing on these fish finders that tell you where the fish are okay our fish finder is jesus our fish finder is jesus it is not our job uh 
to try and find the fish. The Lord does that. The Lord knows uh, people's hearts. Um, it's interesting that after uh, uh, Jesus dies, he finds uh, um, the, the disciples, seven out of the 12 disciples go fishing. They go back to their old lifestyle. Um, and Jesus ends up appearing to them. And I want to read this section of scripture. Um, it's really cool. And it talks about, oh man, I'm boring myself in my own sermon. I'm yawning and boring myself. Uh, in John chapter 21, it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. Now here we've come full circle. We've talked about them mending their nets and, and fishing along the side. And now Jesus has died and uh, has come back again. And they've gone fishing. And here they are. Peter says, I'm going out to fish. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Now watch this. Jesus finds them, you catch them. Okay, listen to this. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him saying, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals uh, there with the fish on it and some bread. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net to shore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. When someone comes to Christ... Uh, because we share the gospel with them, it was the Lord who found that fish. It wasn't us. And we have to use him. We have to ask him, Lord, where would you have me put my net down? Where would you have me uh, um, uh, share the gospel? With whom? What bait do you want me to use? See, the hook on here is that only Jesus can find the fish. Only Jesus can find the fish. What I want to do, even though uh, this is just... Uh, I'm just here at my desk and um, uh, just talking into a microphone. Um, I, don't, I don't know where you are in your life uh, in sharing the gospel. I don't know if, if you feel inadequate. You feel like you've got holes all through your net and you shouldn't be one to share the gospel because your life is so messed up. Or maybe uh, you're one of those people who've just for all their lives have just slammed the gospel on people without thinking, man... I've been fishing for sharks all this time and I, I've been waiting in a, a stream full of bass and I want to change that. I want to pray for us right now, myself included, that we would be more effective in sharing the gospel, that God would actually transform us into fishers of men. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that um, 
We live in a time where uh, we can hear the word uh, on a little box while we work out or on the, our computer. And uh, Lord, it's, it's uh, your Holy Spirit still works through it. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray uh, for us that we would be uh, people who um, look to you to find our fish. Lord, we listen to your voice and we hear you saying um, to uh, fish over here, put the net here, use this bait. Lord, we want to be effective. We want to follow you first, Lord God, and you will transform us into fishers of men. And so we want to be able to be uh, like clay, Lord God, just uh, mold us and shape us into the image that you would have us be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.